Good morning, everyone. Have I said that already? Still morning, isn't it? Just about. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into this this morning. Are we ready? Are you sure? We don't know what's coming yet. Okay, we're going to start with some scripture, which seems to be a great place to start. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Say, now is. Good for you. 2 Peter uh, verse 1. Sorry, verse 2. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that verse. Verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And then last one, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. We're going to come back to these in due course. He has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation. Don't you love the Amplified? For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Okay, so we're continuing to lay foundations this morning. Remember that the target is holiness, purity, godliness, integrity, obedience, all those wonderful things. We're talking about a a reawakening, a a reprioritizing of the divine call. A reminder of the divine imperative. So we can get that pendulum swinging firmly back in the right direction, which is our holy response to the call of a holy God. To set this up, I I don't know about you, I've noticed two particular extremes in modern Christian thinking and teaching and practice. The first one, I I think I made this up. We're going to call this heavy imperative Christianity. God says, do it, so do it. No questions asked, no explanation or debate is needed. Which part of do it is confusing you? Have you had a a preacher at the front ask you that question? If in doubt, just make up another rule. And if you crash and burn again, just get over it, roll 
your sleeves up and try even harder next time. Heavy imperative Christianity. The second extreme on the other side that we're calling easy grace. God loves you, so chill out. He's the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth. He's the God of endless forgiveness. So it doesn't really matter what you do. After all, he loves you just the way you are. You're not under law anymore. You're free. So relax, live large, and repent later. Now extreme number one if you think about it, is graceless obedience. And extreme number two is obedienceless grace. And I'm going to propose that somewhere in the middle lies a much better third option. Quickly, the dangers in those two extremes, heavy, imperative-based Christianity. You know, in this context, though what is being demanded is correct and, and biblical and justified, it can so easily become legalistic and judgmental. It can be driven by performance and comparison or, or fear and guilt. And because we fail repeatedly, we easily become discouraged and frustrated, dry and lifeless. In essence, it, it ceases to be grace and becomes works. It ceases to be spirit and becomes flesh. And holiness just reverts again, week one, to legalism. The Pharisees, they were imperative-based, weren't they? And in that world, standards appear impossible, demands heavy, slip-ups, Inevitable, and many simply give up. And preachers yelling at us doesn't help. I still refer back to actually the church that Catherine and I were married at, and the pastor there would, would preach for at least an hour and, and kind of yell at you, you need to be better and be holy and do better, and it was very kind of heavy. And we get in the car, we look at each other and say, I don't know whether it's a laugh or cry. And there's only so much of that pounding you can cope with before you lose the will. I think a lot of Christians do. On the other hand, easy grace, sometimes called hyper grace. You might have heard that description. And this one, in, in the name of grace, sin is excused or overlooked or minimalized or trivialized course is hugely damaging. You know, that life will never satisfy. And the consequence of that is that you will remain carnal. You don't become more like Jesus. And there's little evidence of any meaningful change. But that's okay, right? Because, because Jesus loves me just the way I am. Well, yes. But that's only half the story. He loves you too much to leave you unchanged. To leave you bound up in repeated cycles of defeat. 
to leave you with a tarnished witness and living far from kingdom purpose. So, with those two extremes in mind, this is, the, this is the message that I want you to get today. It may not be new news, but it is certainly good news. And without doubt, this is something that needs to be constantly, repeatedly reminded and reinforced. And actually, what I'm going to cover today is the key to all things holy. And the message is this. I, you, we have access already to all the holiness we need because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The clue is in his first name, holy. Holiness is not something I work up, but something, or or perhaps rather someone, already within me, that I draw upon. Here we go. Holiness is not going to be self-effort, but empowering grace. Self-effort merely leads to, to, to yet more frustration and failure and disappointment. You may well have been there. Empowering grace enables you to access all the many things that God has called you to, including and especially holiness. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, We appeal to you not to receive the gift of grace in vain. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, God said, My grace is sufficient for you. And so before we dive too far in that, we we just need to have a quick quick lesson in gospel grammar. This is our next foundation stone. You, You may well have heard of gospel grammar before. You may well have heard me teaching on gospel grammar before. Gospel grammar is this, and it sounds very posh, and it is. The imperative, sorry, I'll start again. The indicative of divine grace always precedes the imperative of human response. What does that mean, I hear you ask? What we do should always be in response to what he's done. Let me quickly define those terms. An imperative is a command or a demand. Indicative is a statement of established fact. In other words, indicatives are are what God has done, and the imperatives are what we therefore must do. And here's the reality, I, I think, that many have lived and experienced. Scriptural imperatives... Those commands and demands just are not possible without the indicatives of gospel grace. What God has done. You'll never live up to it and you'll exhaust yourself trying. We cannot do what we are called to do until we fully appreciate what he, that, that he has done, what the Bible says he has done. 
until we draw from the power of the indicative, we'll always struggle to fulfill the demands and behaviors of the imperative. See, there's an order to gospel grammar. And if the imperative comes first, it becomes works. It becomes effort and flesh. It becomes religion and obligation. It's exhausting. If the indicative, however, comes first, it becomes grace. It becomes overflow and, and response. It becomes outpouring. So, zooming right in, if the, if the imperative of holiness comes first, my attempts to be holy will just be works. It'll be flesh. It'll be self-righteousness. It'll be religion. But if the indicative of holiness comes first, what we've been talking about in the last few weeks, holiness will then become the inevitable consequence or outworking of empowering, enabling grace. And so getting gospel grammar right is so, so important. In religion, the imperative still precedes the indicative. And so we obey to, to preempt the provision of grace. We obey to earn grace rather than responding from, out of grace. So our Christianity becomes doing. It becomes striving. It becomes self-effort. This, of course, is utterly missing the point of the gospel. You see, the cross changed everything for us. And we now get to live in the light of grace internal power enabling strength the innate indwelling holy, holiness of the Holy Spirit within us and so if we get our gospel grammar right we are living in the overflow then of grace empowered and equipped and enabled and everything we do, therefore, is in joyful, obedient response to what God has already done. And here's the tough reality. If your pursuit, and let me say, this, this kind of thinking is going to run through everything we cover in the next few weeks, however long this takes. The tough reality is, if your pursuit of holiness is imperative-based, you will fail. But the flip to that is, a true understanding of grace will change your life. And the great news is that this makes holiness and purity and obedience, the ability to resist temptation, it makes it accessible to every single one of us. All of which means we must make sure that we know and understand and choose grace. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. I keep coming back to these verses. We appeal to you not to receive 
the grace of God in vain. Grace is a wonderful gift. You desperately need it. It's been freely offered. Don't let that gift be in vain. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a holy life, a godly life. See, grace makes it all accessible. He has given you everything you need to live a godly, holy life. You just need to stop striving and struggling and sweating in your own strength and learn to draw upon His grace. I need to define grace, don't I, properly. I think sometimes you have a very limited view of what grace is. What we understand about grace is true, but it's probably just limited to, to saving grace. There's so much more to grace and the provision of grace and the availability of grace than just saving grace, wonderful though that is. And so here's a, a, a fuller, expanded definition of grace. Grace is the imparted a power and ability to do in God's strength what we would ordinarily struggle to do on our own. Ever been there? I just wish I could. I, I know what the Word says. I, I've read those imperatives over and over. But somehow, however hard I try, struggle and strive, I just can't get there. And the answer is grace. Grace is the power, the imparted, God-given power and ability and strength to do in His power and ability what you would ordinarily in your own strength just not be able to access. Here's another one, another definition. It's God's bestowed ability, bestowed means given, to go beyond our natural ability so we can do what his word demands. So, so grace empowers us to obey the, the imperatives of Scripture. It can otherwise be really hard. And I think as we open up this course, we're going to look at some imperatives in Scripture that frankly are hard and tough. But grace empowers us to obey. It goes like this. In my own strength, I can't. But with grace, it becomes possible. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My third verse for the day. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Remember the context of this little passage? Paul was really, really struggling to get past this, this thorn in the flesh. He had tried absolutely everything he knew, but to no avail. And he asked God one more time. And this is what God said to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. God said, the answer, the, the solution, the, the pathway into victory and freedom is the sufficiency of grace. 
here's the point. Here's how this applies to us. In your own strength, your way with your very best effort, you simply can't. You're weak. You're inadequate. You're unable. To which I'd say, welcome to the human race. But God's grace is sufficient. It was sufficient for Paul's thorn in the flesh. And it will be sufficient for whatever you are facing today or may face tomorrow. God's grace is sufficient, first of all, for obedience. In my own strength, I've tried and failed. I know full well what those commandments are, but I keep stumbling and it's really frustrating. The good news is that grace is God's power and ability and sufficiency and empowerment to comply. It's the power and strength that enables you to obey that imperative that keeps eluding you. So first, God's grace is sufficient for obedience. Secondly, God's grace is sufficient for resisting temptation. It keeps getting me. I keep crumbling. I've tried everything. You may be there. In which case, press pause. Ask for grace. Draw on his strength. And let him give you the enabling power. More on that in a minute. Thirdly, God's, God's grace is sufficient when your flesh is screaming at you. When everything within you is shouting, no! Grace enables you to respond to the holy yes. Next one. God's grace is sufficient when that wound, that pain, that hurt is throbbing and shouting and screaming. Even if that thorn is digging in or that old hurt is being jabbed again, His grace is sufficient to get you past that. It is. Next one. God's grace is sufficient to love the unlovable. Nudge a person next to you saying, he's not talking about you. Have you heard about, have you heard about EGRs? E extra grace required? Have you, do you have any of those people in your life? You know, grace helps you to draw on Romans 5 verse 5, which says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. By the Holy Ghost. And that grace helps you to draw on that kind of love when you, in yourself, just don't have it in you. Next one. God's grace is sufficient to forgive even when it's really hard. And often it is. You know the word sufficient means enough. Actually, probably more than enough. You know, there is enough grace to forgive even when it is seemingly unforgivable. 
how do those people on, on the television forgive the murderer who took away their child? Only grace can do that. And it can. It is sufficient even for that. Nearly there. Grace is, is sufficient when you failed numerous times before. You know, it's so hard, isn't it, when we, we know that we've crashed and burned over and over and over again in a particular area. But it's time, folks, to break those cycles. You've tried your own way. Now it's time to lean on his grace. And last one, God's grace is sufficient when no one else is doing it. You know, it feels tough, doesn't it, as a Christian in a, in a worldly environment where, where, where holiness is uncool. Where divine imperatives are being challenged. They're being reversed. They're being abused and mocked. But grace is always freely available to lead you towards the holy. Even when the whole crowd is tugging you in the opposite direction. I'm going to give you one last thought and then we'll wrap up. And the last thought is this. Grace is always available. But we need to learn to draw upon it. I'll say that again. God's grace is always available. We need to learn how to draw on it. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Wonderful verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What an amazing verse. Just when you need it the most, you can ask God for his grace. At crunch point, when your flesh is trembling and the pain is screaming and your circumstances are squeezing, we have this invitation to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Goes like this. Press pause. Take a deep breath. Listen to what your flesh is saying and make a decision there and then to ignore it. And instead, listen to what the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is saying and ask God for the grace to choose that path instead remember grace is, is imparted power and ability to do in God's strength what we would ordinarily struggle to do in our own it's God's bestowed ability to go beyond our natural ability so we can do what his word demands grace empowers us to obey the imperatives of scripture that can otherwise be really hard Grace is freely available, but we need to learn 
to draw upon it, to receive it, to breathe it in, and to yield to it at the moment of truth. We're going we're gonna to put those ideas and those principles into the middle of everything we cover in the next few weeks. But just one more little thing to help you out with this. Try asking yourself these questions. I think these are great questions. At that crunch point, ask yourself four questions. Number one, am I drawing on grace or am I acting out of impulse? It's a great question. Am I drawing on grace or am I just acting out of that old habit and that impulse and just going with my flesh and going with my anger or am I stopping? And am I drawing on the grace that God has provided that is sufficient? Question number two. Is this the best I can do? Or am I drawing on what the Holy Spirit within me can do? We probably got into the habit of the best we can do. But there is an alternative. And that is learning to respond to and lean on and yield to and draw upon that internal power, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. Question number three, whose love am I trying to access here? Is it my own flawed, imperfect, insufficient love? Maybe that's just me. Or is it that Romans 5 Holy Spirit indwelling love that God has shed abroad in your hearts. And then question number four is why exactly again have I convinced myself this is impossible? Philippians 4 verse 13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anyone heard that verse before? Yes? Ringing a few bells? What does this tell us? It tells us I can do it. I can, I can, I can. It tells me I can do all things. Not, not some things. No exclusions or exceptions. Why? Because now I have enabling, empowering grace. I have a new choice. And that choice is, am I going to do it through Christ? Or am I going to do it through Jamie? Please insert your own name in there. Is it going to be his strength? Or is it going to be mine? Again, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't let God's provision of readily available grace be in vain. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living our godly life. The power of the Holy Spirit himself, resident on the inside, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead has been given to you. So you have everything you need to live a holy life right here, right now. And 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. The answer, the solution, the pathway to victory and freedom is the sufficiency of his grace. In your own strength, you can't. But you were never intended to do it in your own strength or your way. 
or on your own. That is why he has lavished upon us grace. So the moral is, as we work our way through the rest of this series, as we start to delve into details and challenges, some of the tough imperatives, folks, it's going to be grace. Not sweat equity, not religion or legalism. And here's a thought for you. God would not have demanded holiness if it was impossible or inaccessible or unattainable. I'd like to invite the worship team to come to the front. I'm going to move this into response now. Just a bit of a look at the clock there. We're doing good. I'm going to give you two challenge questions for you to take to the Lord this morning. Are you ready? Only two. Question number one. This is going to be a bit of honesty time. Is your Christianity, is your Christian life grace or is it self-effort? Which of those two do you kind of naturally default to? If, if you're honest, have your past efforts to be holy really just been self-effort? And is today the day to repent of trying to do it your way, however well-intentioned you may have been, and make a decision, a stake-in-the-ground decision, that from now on, it's going to be grace. And I intend to help you with that through the rest of the series. So response question number one. Ask the Lord to show you. You probably already know. Is your Christianity self-effort? Or is it empowering grace? And then question number two. Zooming right into where you are right now. How does that challenging situation, that immovable object, that obsession verging on addiction, how does it look if you stop throwing self-effort at it and start to draw on grace? You might need to fall on your knees. You might want the prayer ministry team to stand with you. You might need to repent a little. Ask God to give you the grace you need to meet the obligation of that divine imperative. You may have proved to be insufficient, but God has promised that His grace will be sufficient.